3: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Welcome, everyone, to SI Media with Jimmy Traynor. Thank you for listening. Huge, huge show this week. We have Pat McAfee, who uh, has made a lot of news lately because he is joining ESPN. It was recently announced in the fall, taking his daily Monday through Friday show, Uh, to ESPN and a uh, couple of their platforms. It'll be on Linear TV, ESPN Plus, ESPN YouTube's channel. So get into it with Pat about why he's going to ESPN, why he's leaving his FanDuel contract early, what the process was like to get to ESPN. There's been some backlash from his audience about The show possibly changing and getting sanitized. Pat addresses all that. Um, Will he still be able to have non-ESPN guests? How much ESPN will be involved in the show? Get into all that. Get into Pat's uh, time with the WWE. Get into a little bit of Pat on college game day. Uh, And just what the show is like is Aaron Rodgers' interviews. All of it covered with McAfee in this interview. No Sal Licata this week. No train of thoughts. A little scheduling issue, but... We got Pat for a long time, so works out just fine. Before we get to Pat, if you've missed any recent episodes, make sure you go to the archives and check them out. We had uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Richard Deitch on the program last week. Two weeks ago, we had Mike North, the NFL VP of broadcast planning on putting together the 2023 NFL schedule, along with Dan Rappaport of Barstool Sports on golf. Mike Breen, Ian Rappaport, Rich Eisen have all been on the podcast in recent weeks as well. So if you missed any episodes, go into the archives, check them out. If you've never heard the pod before, subscribe, leave a review on Apple. All right, here we go. One hour plus conversation Coming up right now with a mega sports media star, Pat McAfee right here on SI Media with Jimmy Trainer. Yeah. All right, joining me now, this is a, a big one. We've got one of the biggest stars in the entire sports media world, and he doesn't do a ton of pods. So thrilled for the first time to have Pat McAfee on SI Media with Jimmy Traina. Pat, thanks so much for doing this. What's going on?
5: Hey, thank you so much for having me, Jimmy. I, um, I think there's way too much of me already out there. So I get offered some opportunities to come on podcasts. I try not to do it because there's, you know, just like I said, my voice is heard way too much. And the people that don't like me don't need to hear more of me. And the people that like me already have listened to me enough every single day after my show's done. Uh, but with everything that has happened in the modern sports media world with me right now and the way you have. You know, you've kind of given us a fair shake, it feels like. Not a lot of media people have through our entire thing. You have. So whenever I was asked to come on this, I I genuinely was pumped to do it and pumped to do it and thankful that you're having me on here, Jimmy.
4: Well, I appreciate that because I, I do try to be fair. And um, you know, I think everyone has things they like and things they don't like. It, it's kind of funny too, because I feel like, I don't know if you get this, I'd be curious. I feel like you're way more of a positive person than I am. I feel like you you're generally rooting for people. You like people. I mean, I have things I don't people and things I don't like, but it is funny. Like if, and you know, I always say like, I hate to use social media as the basis for this, but like if you go on there and you say you don't like this person or this show or something, you know, people say you're an asshole, you're negative, you're miserable. But, and then if you go on there and you're like, Oh, I love, you know, this person, people like, Oh, you kiss ass. And so like, you can't win no matter what you can never win. So can't pay attention to
5: it. Well, the internet's awesome. You know, the internet is always <laughs> gonna have um the internet's always gonna have its thoughts. The internet is always gonna get its jokes in, and the internet's always gonna let you know if you're kind of fucking up too, though, which yeah. I certainly appreciate. And I've been a diehard Twitter user since basically Twitter's my first social media I dove into. Twitter is still my main source of social media. I think Twitter's the most powerful, I think Twitter's the best. I think you learn the most, it's the quickest, it's the most efficient, everything like that. I've been through a couple different iterations at Twitter now with different ownership groups and Twitter will always survive because in premise it is fantastic, but you have to treat it like a focus group. And I think there was a lot of networks and a lot of places that were potentially changing their entire mindsets and mottos and business plans because of what they were reading on Twitter. It's like you certainly should take it in as a focus group. If a majority of people are saying something, you should certainly take it into account and maybe address it. But whenever you're talking about a few hundred people being an asshole versus like a few hundred thousand people watching or a few million people watching, you know, you kind of got to take it in for what it is. And I think we're becoming a society that understands what Twitter is and what trolls are and what the internet just naturally is, no matter what you do, you know?
4: Yeah. All right. So since since you said all that, we might as well start here because we're sort of on that path. When it came out that you were going to ESPN, I wrote a column, I was surprised by the negative reaction. Now, how much was negative compared to how much was positive, you would know that better than me, but I know you maybe were also taken a little bit aback by it. Now, I have my theory on it, which I'll get into, but tell me just what that experience was for you when it became announced that you were going to ESPN in the fall.
5: I appreciated you writing that, and uh, I think my guy Ty Schmidt saw it first and sent it in. It was like, hey, here's a guy at least, you know, (laughs) speaking with some reason and thought. And I understand um, that everything you do, every decision I do with our show is going to get some drawback, no matter what it is. When I decided to start doing WWE every single week, which has been a lifelong dream of mine, and getting an opportunity to do it has been so cool. And everybody over there I fucking love. I mean, it is It is the world that I was probably put on this earth to be in. If I could go back and not have a rocket of a leg, I would have been a professional wrestler and hopefully would have been able to make it in WWE a long time ago. And that's just how my life would have been. But whenever I decided that, you know, I am going to try to make my show work and be a part of WWE, there was people that were naturally mad because they thought the show was going to change because I was going to spend some of my attention on the WWE. And at that moment, I was so confused. I'm like, man, this is completely separate from the thing from the show, you're like completely different operation. And it was at that moment I realized like, our show is something that people really enjoy. Our show stinks, okay? We know that, we understand that, but there's a lot of people that are incredibly cool and incredibly passionate and they hang out with us every single afternoon. So I think any change I make, I had to learn through trials and errors that there's gonna be people that are upset with it because they're scared they're gonna lose the thing that they get to hang out with. And I am honored that that is how they view our show. But my big takeaway after this decision is like a lot of our people have been with us for a long time and a lot of decisions I've made. We've been through this a couple of different times where it's like, Hey, the show is going to remain the show though. And I would like a little bit more faith almost in the fact that we understand who we are. We understand what we are and we wouldn't want to change it for anybody because that'd be bad business and it'd be bad because we can't make a better show. We are a bunch of doofuses that do what we do and it just so happens to work. So I didn't expect it to be as big of a drawback as it was. I I knew that there would be some people because there's probably new fans of the show and new viewers of the show who hadn't been through some of the, these types of situations before with our program, but the, It was big. You're right. And it was positive. There's a lot of people incredibly happy for us. There's a lot of people that were like, you know, excited about what this means for the future of things. And a lot of our people were, Hey, next step, next evolution of the show. This is cool. But I did not expect the amount of people that were negative about it before even knowing what it was. And I, I know that it comes from a place of passion. So I'm honored about it, but it was alarming, Jimmy. It was alarming. (laughs) I I did not expect that many shots to the shins from my, my own people. Almost. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, well, a few things, because as I wrote, I would have thought your people would have had more faith and trust in you because you have navigated this post-NFL career in a brilliant way. So there should be some trust there. Also, you're not going to take your show and bring it anywhere and have it be changed when it's such a success. What I learned after writing that column, because when I wrote the column, Um, And if someone's listening who doesn't know, Pat, it was announced he was going to ESPN. There was a lot of stuff on social media about like, the show's going to change, the show's going to change. Sell out, sell out, sell out, sell
5: sell sell out. out. And my
4: column was like, I would have thought Pat's people would have trusted him a little more. What I learned after the column got posted is that I don't think this was about you. I think this was about ESPN. Like, you know how people say there's Trump derangement syndrome? There's ESPN derangement syndrome out there. Because what I got on Twitter, what, uh, like just one example, someone wrote into me and they go, uh, off my column, ESPN ruins everyone they sign. Now, I usually don't engage with people on Twitter because it's just not worth it. But I cover this for a living, and I was trying to think like, okay, let me think where this has happened. Couldn't think of anything, so I wrote back to the person. I just said, can you give me one name, two names, just anyone? Just give me someone. And then the person wrote back, of course, didn't have any names and just wrote something about liberal, woke, ESPN, politics, blah, 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 which has nothing to do with your show. So if you want to take any positives of it, I think once you get to ESPN and people see your shows the same, everything will be fine. But I think people are more spooked about ESPN than your show changing, which... Again, I've gone through this over the years. The theory that ESPN is covering politics is also nonsense. Like Scott Van Pelt's not breaking down the Ukraine war. PTI isn't talking about, you know, inflation. Like it's a little over dramatized like ESPN and the politics. And I think you got caught up in that. That's my theory.
5: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And And obviously how ESPN is viewed by what they choose to focus on and not focus on. I think a lot of people get upset about because I think sports are naturally a unifier. You know, I think sports are naturally a celebration. So I think there's a lot of people that potentially get scared from like, Oh, they're going to all of a sudden start focusing on things like debating things, because I think debates bring a natural divide. Right. Because you're obviously debating. So you got to be on one side or on another side. So I think that type of stuff, the decision to talk about things, not every day, but I think politics certainly got its way into ESPN's coverage when the whole world became political. And I I think a weapon for us is that I am not smart enough to get into politics. And also nobody is thinking to themselves, hey, you know what? how does Pat McAfee feel about insert actually real thing in the Mm. world? So for us, I've always like just stayed in the world that we know the world that we understand, but also I've always viewed sports as a unifier. I've made my best friends in sports. I've had my best moments in sports. I've met people and learned so much about life through sports. So I think people are just scared that ESPN will change the fact that we're no longer celebrating sports we're more so trying to cut sports down and that's kind of what I read it to your point from a lot of the takeaway after I was telling people like Oh, can you have a little bit more faith? Like we're not going to change. You're like, naturally it's going to change because you're going to have to start doing this and you have to start doing top fives and you have to start debating things and you have to start picking this goat and this. And it's like automatically all those things potentially drive a little separation, but we are not talented to do that. Like I'm not talented to stand on a table for something I don't believe in, which is potentially what some sports media has become for us. It's just like, let's talk. Let's learn about these people. I'm not going to chastise anybody for how they feel, but I feel like the more we learn about these sports stars, the better for the sports media world. So that's all we're well, trying to do. Right. Just enjoy and,
4: sport. It, well, that's it. so it surprised me that people thought you would move your show and change it. And it also surprised me that people would think that ESPN would want to pay you a lot of money and then change your show. Like none of it made sense, but I guess maybe these, you know, I'm, I'm in the sports media world. So maybe I know it a little better than the average Joe fan, but it wouldn't have made sense from either standpoint to do that. So, But let me let me give you just some quick, specific questions about the move that I know people have questions about and will, you know, one question people had, a lot of people had, your current show um, on YouTube, you have a lot of non-ESPN people on, Shams, Ian Rappaport, et cetera. People want to know, will those people still be on your show when it goes to ESPN or is ESPN going to say, you no, know, you can only have Adam Schefter and Woj?
5: Yeah, never been told that I can only have ESPN people on my show. That was never uh, even broached by them or by us. Ian is a part of our crew. Like Ian Rappaport has been a part of our crew for a long time. I do believe that we will certainly develop a relationship with Schefter as well. And why wouldn't we, especially as a show that covers the NFL as we have. But our people will remain our people. That's kind of how the entire thing is set up. But we are very open to meeting and mingling and hopefully putting over ESPN talent that they have on the roster. And that was a big part of why we were going as well, because I got sick of booking the show. I mean, I'm booking the show, text messaging people every single morning. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I don't like doing that. I hate doing that. I feel like I'm impeding on people's time. I'm like, if I was on the other end of this, I would tell this guy, Oh yeah, I have nothing else to do, but talk about this in the middle of it. So like us going to their network and all the incredibly talented people they have on staff and on payroll that are ready to come on the program, massive part of going to ESPN. So we are very excited to build relationships with people in the basketball world from ESPN, in the baseball world, in the college lacrosse world, if we start talking about that. Like they have experts from all fields that we're excited to have, but our people will remain our people as well. We're just trying to make the best possible show as we can.
4: Will ESPN, you have your crew there, and everyone who listens to your show knows the queue with Ty, the crew with Ty and Boston Connor, et cetera. Will ESPN have a producer or an executive producer or anyone like that involved in your show, or it's still you and your crew producing the show?
5: Yeah, it's our crew. It's same okay. exact We We hang out in the think tank over here in the morning, it's uh, part of the Thunderdome. And this place is a joke, by the way. Absolutely. People said you couldn't build a media company in the Midwest. We did it in Indiana, and we ended up in an old church called Thunderdome, which is hilarious. But we basically create the show via our group chat or group text and then the think tank in the morning. We don't have blocks. We don't have that type of scheduling. We just have things that have popped up in conversations that have kind of started. Like, oh, that is interesting. Ah, yeah, that is something to talk about. That's fascinating. And then there's a chance it's going to get brought up in the show. So like the guys don't even know what's going to come up in the show. I don't really know what's going to come up in the show, but I do know what has been in our sphere for the last 24 hours or so. And then it kind of just comes and goes. That's why like, and I guess this is a little bit of a different thing, but other people have done this before. Like I'm host, pundit, booker, interviewer. So my guys are an asset in every, my guys are hosts, pundits, bookers, interviewers, Everybody is like five-tool player around here, so we just we're the ones creating the show, and then the show just comes as it comes.
4: So and, won't, and, the, it, and the important message for your fans is that's how it's going to be when you go to ESPN.
5: Couldn't be any other way. Like. Right. I don't know if we'd be able to operate any other way. Like, I don't know if Boston Connor and Ty Schmidt would be good with prepared setup takes. This is coming five minutes into the show. We got this thing coming. Need you to do this. Need you to do this. It's like, we aren't like that. Like we are, very much freewheeling. Let's get through this because our natural conversation might go to places we could have never expected in a pre-production meeting. And then if it doesn't, boom, we just go to something else. So same exact show style, show flavor and show creation every single
2: day.
4: What we know is the show is going to be on ESPN, ESPN's YouTube channel, ESPN plus any thoughts. Is there about ESPN radio? A lot of people are wondering why you wouldn't be on ESPN radio.
5: Yeah, I don't know. So we, when we were with Sirius, um, mm-hmm. a lot of good people at Sirius. A lot of good people at Sirius. This was a similar type of situation with Sirius and the payday obviously different. And we, you know, we we're on Mad Dog's channel, which we we're the first people to swear on Mad Dog's channel. Everybody before us didn't swear. Everybody after us didn't swear. I don't know if that was necessarily the best fit for us, but was honored to be on Sirius. But we quickly realized that We're almost doing a disservice to the people that only listen. Now, our show is still a podcast. We still make a podcast. We put it out every single day because we understand there's people that can't watch every single show and we appreciate that. But we want people to know that we're like a optic show, a video show, because I think a lot of that has to feed in to what we're talking about. Now, if ESPN decides and we have a conversation like, hey, you want to go on ESPN radio or on Sirius XM or anything like that? I think I'd be open to that. I'd be thankful to get back in, you know, the truck drivers, trucks and stuff like that. But it wasn't a focal point of the conversation because it's not really our first thought, if that makes sense.
4: Got it. Now, you said you had four offers. Yeah. Would you share who made other offers, or is that private information?
5: Yeah, never in a million years. But I will say, uh, I will say that Marchant whenever he was writing about who I was yeah. negotiating with every single week, it helped. Like he helped a lot. So, like I am very, very thankful. He gets a finder's fee. Yeah I, I, yeah, I said it at the Disney upfronts actually because. Yeah he announced it 10 minutes before I went on stage or 20 minutes before I went on stage. It was supposed to be the announcement and our people kept it tight. Obviously there's enough people involved. Things are going to get out and everything like that. But he he was, he was a pretty big part of it. I mean, he, a couple of different times, he said some things like, Oh, I think it's getting close here. And then all of a sudden that reignites like it is, it was a fascinating time. I lived life as an executive for like, Three months, a lot of text messages, a lot of emails, a lot of calls, a lot of FaceTimes, how you doing, layout plans, what's the future look like for you guys, what's the future look like for us, what are you trying to do, like with numerous companies. And I I met a lot of incredibly talented people a lot of good, I think sports media future, really good spot with the people that are currently making decisions. I'm very excited for it, adding in the streaming services and what they're going to be trying to get in as we go forward, what they're thinking about doing. I think we're all in a good spot going ahead as sports fans. But ultimately, at the end of the day, ESPN was like the perfect fit for us
4: at this time. Well, that, that was my next question. So you had four offers. You said, why ESPN uh, in terms of making the move?
5: So three of the places, the money was pretty similar. One place way behind. Good people, but way low.
4: I would love to know who the cheapskates were.
5: They're good people. They're good people. They're good people. (laughs) I don't don't think they, you know, I, I was. It's all right. I'll tell you what, when you're having these conversations and you know exactly how much your show is worth. So like I've done the sales for our show. Like I know exactly how our YouTube works like in the Google AdSense on the back end. I know what deals look like for all buckets of deals. You know, we've been in every single place. I know exactly how much money our show would make if we would remain independent going forward. That's a very vital piece of information whenever you're going in to have conversations about the future of sports media potentially and your thoughts. So whenever somebody says something and you go like, oh, I I understand that I want to come to a network cuz I would like to make my life easier, but I also understand exactly how much money our show can make if we were to remain independent and that's that's not going to be something that I can necessarily do. So the the market was kind of set, you know, seemed like yep. Yep. because of that me knowing that piece of information. Uh ESPN though, whenever I talked to Jimmy and I talked to Burke, and other places had similar thoughts, but Jimmy and Burke were very adamant Like, very, very adamant about, hey, what do you think the future looks like? This is what we think as well. Like, I think Jimmy's kids are fans of the program. I think Burke's, you know, kids, fans of the program, like, I think they're very tapped in to what the future looks like. I think Jimmy Pataro is a great executive, like, especially with what he's going through right now, because they could just mail it in right? They could just mail it in and say, hey, we still have all the league rights. We're still going to get all the streaming numbers for the games because they have rights to every fucking league out there. I mean, they that is, they have that above and beyond everybody else. They still have rights and relationships with everybody. They could just say, hey, that's what we're going to spend our money on and we're going to do our thing. Jimmy was very adamant about, hey, we still going to be sports media. You know, we're still going to do this entire thing and he wanted to hear it and I, I wanted to hear his vision as well. So him, Burke, me, kind of chat, a lot of conversations, man. And I told Marshawn this in a a DM, it was calls, texts, FaceTimes, emails. I mean, you're, you're naming everything, even a meeting with Bob Iger, obviously out in Burbank in the middle of this whole thing. Like it was a lot and there was a lot of combos and there was a couple things that I were very important to me. And there were some things that were very important to them and us kind of it it became pretty clear, like, hey, this seems like this is going to really work, especially with the presence that they have, that is incomparable real estate in the linear television world. It is like uh, we're very honored and lucky that the deal ended and up being with ESPN.
4: Did the fact that and I and I should have mentioned this earlier because this should be another reason why your fans should not worry about your show. You already work for ESPN, so did the fact that you were you did College Game Day this year help you lean towards ESPN?
5: Um, yeah, I think so, because I got to meet some of them. But I yeah. went into I went into conversation with everybody about what I saw ESPN do for game day every Saturday, though. Like, I went in knowing that I wanted to go to a network. I didn't know that I wanted to go to a network. I never wanted to go to a network. Like, I wanted to be... I didn't think anybody in any networks got it. I didn't think that there was a chance, like, the things that I would want to do or we would want to do would be okayed by anybody because basically every television suit that I've ever encountered has been like, nah. a swearing punter from Indiana who's been arrested and wears tank tops. Like fuck this guy, which is why I represent myself because I'm a tough sell to a lot of people. That's why like agents.
4: You have, have really no way. Stup- you have no agent, no representation, none at all. No, that's amazing. That is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. No, no publicist. No, That's amazing. Thank you, Jimmy.
5: I appreciate that. Once again, a little respect from people, hopefully, whenever they're judging me immediately. But also, I've made some fuck ups. I have a chance, like, I have friends that have been very successful in the business um, that I can text and ask questions like, hey, is it kosher for me to tell this person to go to hell for what they just said? And that person will be like, ah, not yet, not yet. You know, those people will calm me down a little bit in the business. But like, as I watched Game Day weaponize ESPN, and all the incredibly talented people that were behind the scenes at game day, all the hard work and production people, all the booking people that are there that, hey, what do you need? How do you need it? What do we have to do? Listening to Jimmy Gallero and Drew Gallagher and Reese Davis and Des and obviously Pollock and Herbie and that entire crew and Bear who's not going to be with us, which is a shame. But listening to and Wiley's in there and all these people like pitch ideas that are like creative ideas. And it's like, yeah, let's try to get that done. Like, let's do that. Let's do this. And ESPN having access to the people to get that type of stuff done, it was like, it slowly grew on me like, man, it wouldn't be bad to maybe have a little assistance from a billion dollar operation that has friends in every building, seemingly. So Mm -hmm. I think game day certainly led me to believe that a network would help and make life a lot easier and make the show better. But I didn't necessarily go in thinking to myself, like, ESPN is going to be the home because of that. I honestly thought that it wouldn't. And then as the conversation started, it was like, oh, they're real. It feels like they're genuinely looking to do this. And that's because Jimmy and Burke were like, we kind of want to make this happen. So it uh I think ESPN and Game Day certainly opened my eyes about what a, what a network can do and how it can help. But it didn't kind of sway me, if that makes sense. Although I love that I'm with ESPN full
4: time. I'm not going to ask you again, like who the other offers were from, but did you have one of the other four offers was one of them pretty enticing where you had to really decide between that offer and ESPN and was it, you know, I would assume, you know, let's say Peacock makes you an offer. I'm assuming they want to put you on big 10 coverage or something like football, or if, you know, CBS is making you offer. They want. I would assume all these places wanted to put you in other places other than your daily three hour show. Am I correct in that one? Yeah.
5: Every platform has their own entities and properties that they are trying to build up, right? We're in like the streaming era where everybody wants to build attention for whatever they are investing in, because obviously the people that are investing in these things want these to succeed. So how do we amplify these properties that we are investing in? So every place that we went to was looking for us to hopefully boost all their properties. Now, some places that we were talking to don't have many yet, but they are looking to get heavily into things And it's like, when's that going to be? You got to start judging that out. You got to start judging out, like, if we go to some places, will that take away growth opportunity with our YouTube community that I fucking love? I love our YouTube community. I love what YouTube is. Just like, I like you can profit off it. It feels like if you genuinely put into it, you'll get some stuff out of it. Like, that's been our, our, our entire show has just been a YouTube show, and we have no connection to Google at all. Like we just get a paycheck from them every single month from their Google AdSense. We really talked to nobody over there. So it's like I I didn't want to give that up at all. There were some places that didn't want me to continue on YouTube. ESPN, as soon as I brought it, we're like, cool, cool, cool. That's you thing. That'll be part of the deal. We got it. But there were some places that weren't about it.
4: If I say when, when you get that check from Google slash YouTube every month during the football season, do you cut a little portion of it and send it off to Aaron Rodgers?
5: So Aaron will maintain with us. You know what I mean? He will. Like, that's the thing oh, about sure. opening. I hope. I mean, we'll see. That guy, he is an anomaly. And obviously, he knows every single Taylor Swift song. You know, every he, had, single he had a
4: good time this weekend.
5: I hope he continues to have a good time. He had a great time at the Rangers game. He had a great time at the Knicks game. I think he went to a play. I think he had a blast. He's doing his whole thing. Where do you
4: stand? We'll we'll go right off the beaten path here for a minute. Where do you stand on, because one of his Jets teammates came out and was like, it's weird that you're all filming him while he's dancing and bopping around at the T-Swift concert. I kind of think, listen, if you're a public figure, you got to sort of deal with that. Where do you stand on like a celebrity getting filmed at a con? But see, you also like, I also feel like if someone's at a concert, they shouldn't have to worry about someone filming. Like a concert, you should be able to be as loose as you want, do whatever you want, but you are a celebrity. Where where, where do we stand on that, Pat?
5: Yeah, yeah. Everybody should be able to do whatever they want. Nobody look at them at all. You know, everybody should make a billion dollars. Like that's just not reality. You know what I mean? Like that's just not the real world. And I think like um, the cool thing about us is our operation is I was pretty big in Indiana. Like, I was rather large in Indianapolis before any national media really gave me any opportunity. Nobody really knew who I was. In Indiana, I was pretty big because of an alleged event, you know, that happened in my second year where the cops said I went for a swim. I was just trying to walk home. You know, certainly $140 fine for a public intoxication. But then I started getting on Twitter and I started explaining to myself to people like, I'm not an idiot every night of my life. I did have a good time. I apologize. I will no longer embarrass my family. And like the state of Indiana kind of like bought into me heavily. So, and this is as social media is kind of growing. So I've...
4: Uh, well, and yours was a victim victimless crime. I mean... You
5: know, certainly. But the- as I was going out in Indy, like, I don't even know what year it was, but... I don't think there's been a day where I've gone outside of my house in Indianapolis where I haven't had somebody take a picture of me. Like, this is way before, this is while I'm still punting balls. This is when I'm doing stand-up shows, selling 10,000 tickets for a stand-up tour in like five minutes around Indiana, or selling out like a 6,000-seat venue up in West Lafayette, Indiana, before anybody nationally even has a clue who I am. Like, it's been a long time in my life in indiana where i haven't been able to go outside without people tracking me taking pictures of me or talking to me so i actually just fully expect it and i love it i enjoy talking to people like i love one of our people will come up and just be like what's up pat how you doing i'm like cool keep it moving i think aaron's the same way aaron knew everybody was going to film him and aaron didn't give a fuck and like i I think that's a cool thing that we've kind of got to the point where Every, and I'm much smaller than Aaron Rodgers. That's fucking New York and it's Aaron right. Rodgers. But I'm talking about like, I was a local like face for a long time before I've become like this kind of much Gosh. bigger face. So I kind of got used to it. Just like I think Aaron has obviously been baptized in this for a long time, where it's just like, yeah, if I have a good time out here, and I'm appearing to be tripping balls off of Taylor Swift songs, everybody on earth is going to see
4: it. You know what I mean? He knows, I, he knows that. I wrote this in my column on on Tuesday. I give Aaron credit too, because he went two nights. He, she was there three nights. He went two. He didn't do like the celebrity. I'll go one night, do like a photo op. He went two nights. So that's legit. Um, Him and Kelly hit- and
2: Miles
5: Teller are like friends with her. Yeah. So they yeah. went to like a friend's concert that happened to sell two hundred and fifteen thousand tickets over the three days. That's a hundred and <laughs> some million dollars over three days in tickets.
4: I, what a dog. Th- three and a half hour show is just off the charts. Off she the charts. It. She's yeah. the, she's a she's a beast, dude. She's a oh, beast. Yeah. Three and a half hour three nights in a row, no night off either.
6: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick.
2: To start listening,
4: I was going to ask you this at the end. I thought if things were going well, I would throw this in at the end. But you mentioned it now, so I'll throw this in now, and then we can get back to sort of the business side of everything. What do you get sick of discussing the most, or being asked about more? The arrest that you mentioned, or the infamous fake fake punt play?
5: Uh, So the fake punt play, you know, obviously, and Rob Ninkovich kind of confirmed this in my Instagram comments. Patriots probably cheated on that play. You know, they probably, (laughs) this is Rob Minkovich's fault. I would have never thought that they did, but he showed up in my comments the other day and it made me just go, you know what? They probably did have some inside information on that. So we'll kind of hang our hat on the fact that in theory, that was a smart play. Should have never got snapped. Okay. That ball should never got snapped.
4: Another Bill Belichick cheating scandal comes your way.
5: That's what I'm saying. I think we should at least investigate it. You know, at least investigate it. Because we sold it so well that we were going off the field. They read that thing so so quickly. So that was not going to work from about a half a second into the start of the play. And us still snapping the ball, what a nightmare. And you're right. If you watch that clip, my name is across the bottom. The only name associated with it is P. McAfee right across the bottom. Now I was averaging 49 yards a punt. Pretty good, pretty good little start to the game there. Happy that number's there. But that one was tough, especially when other bonehead plays happen and everybody has to immediately go, no, 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 it's not as bad as this play. And then bang Oh, over. I've done
4: that on Twitter a couple of times myself, I must say. You're
5: a part of the problem, Jimmy. You're a part am. of the problem. And
4: but, what I love about that, the underrated part of that is Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. Like the complete dumbfoundedness. Al, Al, because Al keeps his voice monotone on that. And that's when you know Al's really disgusted. So that was—it's an underrated part of the clip. Yeah. Um, so the fact
5: that it gets recycled, though, you know, yeah. I hang my hat on that. The arrest—that <laughs> thing is kind of coming. Go- there wasn't a time I left my house here in Indiana where somebody didn't scream like, "Let's go for a swim!" And I'd be like, "Allegedly, yeah. allegedly, allegedly." But I just enjoy yeah. when people <laughs> say, "What's up?" I don't really care about yeah. It much.
4: Yeah. Um, couple of more things on ESPN. Um, is the show still going to be twelve to three Eastern as it is now?
5: Uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh. I mean, I kind of said it, and I guess I was told not to say it, but like our people need to know that our show isn't changing the time. So right. we'll have two hours on ESPN there, 12 to 2, and then the rest will be on YouTube exclusive ESPN Plus and the ESPN app. So we're getting 10 hours on main right. ESPN, which is bananas to think about and an incredible honor, like very very humbled and honored by it if you go back through the annals of espn all the people that have had microphones on that network through sports media history it's like us getting 10 hours every week we're pumped for and then youtube will be simulcast at the same time and then carry through till 3 thirty, four, 4, whatever whatever it ends up being
4: i think you get all the fucks out of your system when you're on youtube
5: i'll tell you what i offered that one up early and now that it's kind of been, they didn't ask. I offered that up. I was like, you know what? We can, we can slim down the fucks just because we're going to be introduced to a lot of people on right. ESPN. Their real estate on linear is incomparable. I said it earlier. They're everywhere. You go to a cafe, you go to a restaurant, you go to an airport, you go anywhere. ESPN is on the TV. Oh yeah. So we would like to not necessarily shut the door on somebody because we say one word that they maybe won't even give us a chance to hear what we're talking about. Cause I think sometimes the delivery of words kind of can spur some people. I've had that through my experience and I'm always like, well, if you listen to what I'm saying though, if you're to read it out, I'm actually giving a pretty, pretty good take here. It's pretty well thought out. Probably you might actually agree with, but some people just can't get past the delivery or maybe a word of fuck slipping in there. So I actually offered up like, Hey, we will, kind of limit the fucks just strictly because i don't want to shut the door on anybody
4: right. i don't want to well, feel also that like makes that. A, i think also i don't I, you know i, I i'm not a, i don't know a lot about business but i would think that whole issue is more about advertisers too than espn i mean yes at twelve thirty in the afternoon you know people make the argument oh kids are watching because you know kids have never heard the f word or whatever but well, it's also the it's really the,
5: game. the internet has changed right. the game completely
4: so but it's, it's an advertiser a- deal too advertisers sometimes don't want to be associated with a program if they're saying fuck 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 so you know Yeah,
5: yeah. We've never had a problem with that, but I do understand what you're saying. I think- For ESPN
4: on linear, yeah.
5: Yeah, that's- Well, and then who's the advertisers, you know? Is it the same people that have been with us digital, you know? Like- Right, Right. We have a lot of partners, you know, that are, I don't want to say paying good amount, but I'll be, I think we're going to, I'm very pumped to see the business because Pretty Hands-On still going to remain hands-on like six months from now, after three months in there, where we're going to be, what it's going to be, uh, we would like to be earners, big time earners, everywhere we go. So I, I'm I'm pretty excited to kind of watch that entire thing as well.
4: I'm actually not asking this to be funny in any way, shape, or form. I'm actually this is a legitimate question. I you you made the statement. We've talked about it. You're not going to say fuck while you're on ESPN. But what about like shit and some of the lesser curse words? Can they fly on ESPN? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, all right. ESPN getting getting a little risque i like it um
5: uh, so the last dance michael jordan said fuck like every four minutes on espn prime time if you do recall Um, so this wouldn't be the the first time right but they do understand like casual conversation that takes place in the sports world on the internet might involve a shit or a damn or an ass every once in a while and like that conversation was a big one about the whole thing because we can't just lose the We can't lose any, I can't talk like that for four hours, three and a half hours every single day without saying it. I do apologize. And they were like, well, what ESPN looks like tomorrow doesn't have to be what ESPN looks like today or yesterday. So I think there's a chance it completely backfires and they take so much drawback. I don't think it'd be from advertisers because I don't think any company we've ever got with has ever said like, that's not good. Their fans, they're like loyal fans getting very pissed about us saying that. I hope that they're because we're going to take it from them, too. We're taking it from our people now, you know, about sell out, sell out, sell out. When we get on there and we say, shit, this guy's an ass, that whole thing. We're going to get it real hard from a whole nother group of people as well, as is ESPN. So I think that'll be certainly something that we're going to have to kind of figure out as we go. But all parties are aligned there.
4: Do you have a? I mean, it's not difficult to figure this out. You want to be up and running by football season, but do you have a start date? Maybe right after Labor Day, or not yet.
5: We do not have a start date yet announced. Yeah. At least you don't yeah. have a start
4: date. Yet. Well, they want you there for football. We know that. Um, the other part of all this is well, that I you're leaving. Like
5: I would like to be there yeah. for football as well. Obviously.
4: Yeah. Well, like in the like, sports world, like. January first is not New Year's for people in the sports world. The sports world New Year's New Year's people is the start that? of the NFL's the NFL Jimmy, season. No,
5: That's yeah. No way you know. anybody thinks in the sports world January no. one is the start. Nobody thinks no. that, right?
4: It's the NFL. No. It's that Thursday night, um, dude. Well, and yeah. now I mean, listen, with Gam- you know, it. Could, you could even say you know the uh, fake exhibition game started too. We could go either way. Football season um, though, it'll
5: start around football season. That's a good yeah. way to describe it. Yeah,
4: yeah. which is the life. other part of this equation is that you're leaving FanDuel with a significant amount of time left on the FanDuel deal. Why are you leaving FanDuel?
5: Yeah, so FanDuel was our exclusive sportsbook partner. So like 5-Hour Energy is our exclusive energy shop partner. SeatGeek is our exclusive ticketing partner. Uh, Sportsbook partner was FanDuel. So anytime we talk about a story where it's a long day and we got energy, we did drink 5-Hour Energy. So we talk about 5-Hour Energy. Anytime we go to an event... And we need to get tickets or something we go through Seeky. they were our first ever partner anytime we're talking about gambling or doing anything like that it's Fanduel. so a lot of people are like he's leaving the Fanduel network it's like we were never i mean they were our exclusive sportsbook for our show but we weren't a part of the fan they had no ownership of the show they weren't licensing the show they were just our exclusive sportsbook partner we were very lucky that they were our exclusive sportsbook partner absolutely loved the time we had being with FanDuel as our exclusive sports book partner. I feel like we had a lot of great times, a lot of incredible people over there, but I really wanted to make my life easier. I was after the Super Bowl. You're speaking of the years ending and how people that don't watch sports have January 1 being it. For us, it's after the Super Bowl. We right. do a couple shows after the Super Bowl, and then we take two weeks off pretty much to kind of just – hopefully be humans again. Normally four or five days into the vacation, still on the phone, not able to check out, still like freaked out about the season. I had to be doing something. And then I kind of get into a relaxing period there with my wife. And this year she was pregnant. So I had to really start thinking about what the future looked like for me, not only as a business person, but as a husband, as a dad, as my day-to-day looks. And whenever you're running your own show and you're booking your own guests and you're selling your own ads and you're building your own stages and you're fixing every single problem that you have with every single part of your business, it can get a little bit taxing. So after watching what happened with game day and how they weaponized ESPN, I came to the decision alongside my wife and everybody in here, because all my guys work their asses off, absolutely workhorses in here. I said, you know what? I've made the decision. I want to go to a network. I want to get like a little bit of backing, a little bit of a tag team. I would like to get the back end stuff kind of handled by people that have Teams of this type of stuff last year obviously I get sued by Brett Favre which I have no lawyers at the time I'm running my show so that gets added into the mix of everything else I got going on in my life I have to do this I have to write up these I have to call lawyers I have to do this whole thing when I think everybody else that was involved was like hey here's your lawyers for this boom we got this taken care of kind of take it out of your life I bought NFL rights for my show paid them like millions and millions and millions of dollars so that we can get uh footage on our program first, company to really ever do that digitally was able to negotiate incredibly well with the nfl films people who are incredible over there keith Cosrow and team were very nice with us but then like six weeks into it all of a sudden we fall into an issue about our graphics and logos and still images so i have to create the path now where i am now jousting with an nfl lawyer about what i'm allowed to show what i'm not allowed to show all the while booking the show selling the show doing everything else it was like it became very evident like okay, I think we've got to a point where we have proven our value. We have certainly put a dent into this whole space. And now if we find the right partner, it feels like the next step, how we get bigger, how we get better, how our lives get bigger and better is by joining a network. And that's that's basically it. So it's like FanDuel might be back doing business with our show again. And i if we do business with FanDuel again in the future, I would certainly welcome it but it's like I just wanted to go to a network and kind of have them handle all the extracurricular bullshit that I can kind of get out of my life as this beautiful baby girl is here and we try to survive another football season.
4: All right, so no bad blood with FanDuel.
5: No, like not every decision is going to be loved by everybody, but like there was a lot of great things. I mean, FanDuel, us and FanDuel got to do together and uh, they're the number one sports book in America. We've been there since day one. We're very, very pumped about everything that's accomplished over there. It might be doing business again. We have no idea.
4: I, I wanted to mention this at the top and then we got right into it. So I did not say congratulations on your new baby daughter. And I'm listening to you talk about everything you're doing. And you, you and your wife just had a daughter a few weeks ago. Do you sleep? How much sleep do you get? What is like the Pat McAfee schedule these days?
5: Yeah, so, you know, the wife is an absolute ass kicker you know she absolutely is you hear my voice we're up with this baby now you know what i mean we are we are up with her and she is active she's fussy she's beautiful she has like a great personality already her fart smell so bad like so so bad she's like growing you know so this entire process has obviously changed my life having a baby but it is i kind of expected it to happen which is why I wanted to take some stuff off my plate. But whenever you're talking about sense. like yeah, when you're talking about like football season and everything else, man, I'm running on like four hours a night, five hours a night, just trying yeah. to uh, trying to get yeah. by and trying to survive that whole thing.
4: Yeah. I'm wiped out from football season and all I do is like do a once a week podcast and At every game, so I don't know how regular people like in the you know in in the NFL do it. It's yeah, but it's an exhausting season. Jimmy,
5: we get to do this. You know what I mean? Like
4: I know. Speaking of things, uh, yeah. Speaking of things, you get to do. I I have to get into the WWE with you a little bit because I'm a big wrestling guy. Had Stone Cold on this podcast last week. If you want to say what, this is your chance. Oh, what? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) right
5: Um, had a couple Steve why What? Little whiskey.
4: He's, a, he's great and you were great on Smackdown and then obviously game day came along um and there's two things with you with the WWE there's obviously an in-ring stuff where you've blown people away and then there's the Smackdown I assume Smackdown like you, I know you're gonna tell me like there's always a chance but I assume that can't happen now right unfortunately we done with commentary on Smackdown unfortunately
5: so you know myself Michael Cole Nick Khan Kevin Dunn Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Pull Vincent <laughs> Vincent Kennedy McMahon, we all still very much in contact with each other. You know, two of those men, Nick Conn and Vince, were people that when I had a question about something that was going on through this whole process, very much answered my questions and said, like, Interesting. N- Vince gave me a stern do not, for one thing. That I was thinking about doing because I did not appreciate the way something was kind of laid out by one particular person in a uh, in a company that I was kind of negotiating with and everything like that. And I wanted to, you know, so I sent like a question like, hey, am I allowed to this was said, am I allowed to say this back? And it took a couple hours.
4: I was going to say, how long did it take Vince to respond
5: it took a couple hours and I got like a do not period. And then it was like, now is not the time or something like that. And I'm like, okay, all right, all right, fuck the guys <laughs> business wise, I, I will, I will listen to him. And then Nick, same thing. There'll be like another situation because Nick comes from the sports media world, obviously. So Nick like knows pretty much all of these humans that I was kind of talking to and everything like that. So when I would get a chance to like Nick Khan was like a ghost in this thing. I'd be like, hey, how this person, what type of person are they? That type of stuff. He would send me back like a boom, 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 bang, pow. Think about this. It's like, thank you. So like my relationship with the WWE is, I don't want to say stronger than it's ever been, but actually stronger than it's ever been. And we are all very much talking about how I get back into the universe because, okay, yeah, because I love it. And I we talked about this earlier. I love it. Right. I think I'm good at it. I think I'm supposed to be in there. I understand why people are doing things. I think that's why like commentating was a good spot for me alongside Michael Cole, the greatest of all time, getting to get stunned by Stone Cold Steve. I live out like dream after dream after dream over there. I love that place. Our relationship's very strong, so I I know you said like you could say that uh, anything but actually, I think we're we're working. We're all trying to figure it out.
4: That's uh, good to hear it because I was I fully expected you to be back there when game when college, the college football season ended, and I was disappointed you weren't. I figured once college football and game day wrapped up, you'd be back on SmackDown. And I get maybe the WWE. I know they probably want continuity too. I probably they probably you know they've got um. We'd Barry doing it. And they probably don't want to jerk him around, which I get. Um, my wife was men- very,
5: very pregnant. You That's
4: know what I mean? right. Like, That's, right. The, That's right. So
5: it was, so this was my wife and I, we had gotten pregnant two times before. It did not work out. So this was our first time going like full term almost. So we had not experienced some of these later months in pregnancy. So the plan was like, Hey, after college football, after football, we'll get back in there. And then once, you know, with how, what the season was like for me, for the wife, for the pregnancy, after that, like, with how pregnant she was and everything we were going through first time, it was like all parties were like, all right, all right, all good, all good, all good. So I I think we were all expecting that as well. And then the decision was made pretty much like, hey, I'm going to hang out here with the wife and really get through this as we welcome
4: an absolute angel into the world. And if anyone listening to this has not seen it, I wrote a whole column about this maybe a month or six weeks ago. One of your guys, and I apologize because the name is out of my brain right now and I wish I remembered it, but one of you guys put a video together of your WrestleMania experience and I thought it was one of the best things I've ever seen about, you can't watch that and not think how cool is this for Pat that he loved wrestling so much and then this happened. So that was uh, very cool the shout out
5: zito just brought me this water heard my dry voice but um yeah that's foxy you're talking about foxy's my uh yeah foxy's video guy he's incredibly talented in the shots that we got which is like to another thing about the wwe i'm like hey can my guy film stuff and they're like yeah absolutely do what you gotta do there's a lot of trust there between us on what we'll put out what we won't put out what's seen what isn't seen and like i honestly feel like I'm very lucky and we are very lucky to be a part of the WWE family. Um, and yeah, Foxy's incredibly talented. and yeah. I'm happy. It a great I have video. Something. Yeah. I'm happy I love I have the-, for the rest of my life.
6: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer, Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever.
0: going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes
1: it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000.
0: Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge
1: Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: We talked at the top, you don't love to do a ton of podcasts and a ton of interviews. Another guy who never does any interviews ever is a guy you just mentioned, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. However, he did the Pat McAfee show. Were you nervous for that interview? No. That's awesome. That's good. Yeah, That's good. So
5: I think... um So when I was doing SmackDown, you know, I started learning the business a little bit more and obviously as a fan for my entire life, I kind of understood, I thought about what's going on. But then once you start meeting people and kind of learning about people and about the process of it all, like I'm genuinely a curious person too. So I would actually just go ask Vince questions. Like, Hey, why do you guys do it this way? Why do you, whenever you're talking about this decision, why do you do this? And I feel like he's naturally like a teacher. Like, I think if people approach him and ask him questions, he wants to tell people, like, I I think he wants to tell people why he did what he did. Now, the way he goes about telling people, we've all seen, you know, certainly an interesting thing. And he has certainly made mistakes as a human. I think he would even recognize that. And we all recognize that. But whenever you're talking about business acumen in American business humans in the history, like one of the best feels for business and what the future looks like. So I just started like asking him questions. And I think he kind of respected the questions that I was asking because a lot of the questions I was asking was for my own business, my own show. He knew about that. I'd ask him stuff about things that we're thinking about doing with partners and sponsors and exclusivities and everything like that. And I think he it would like take him back almost so like 20 years ago, 25 years ago. So we like naturally build up a little bit of a conversation almost every single week at SmackDown because I'd be going through a lot with my show. And at the same time, my SmackDown thing is kind of growing and there are two different silos, you know, like my show, mm-hmm. sports, football, wrestling, but kind of similar because they're both shows, a lot of shows. Yes entertainment but like it wasn't a lot of crossover like some of our people went over and watch wrestling some mm. of the wrestling people came over but it was certainly two different real worlds that were happening yeah. no. so like i just started asking questions about things decisions that i would have to make i think he appreciated it i think he respected the questions that i was asking and i think anytime you talk to anybody and i learned this with peyton you know because i was very lucky to be teammates with peyton manning like these are humans at the end of the day so you gotta talk to them like they're humans. As soon as you start treating them like they're not humans, they're gonna not act like humans. So like if you get shouted up in front of somebody, I think they're immediately gonna be like, kind of shut down, not really talk to you. But if you talk to people like they're humans, I think they appreciate that. And uh, him blessing us with that, I mean, that was he flew in for that. Flew
4: yeah, flew
5: yeah. it. Didn't know he was gonna, didn't know if it was gonna happen. Like there had been obviously it was reported, it was talked about day of though didn't get it before we went live did not get like a confirmation i'm like i just assume he's coming i just assume he's coming and then we get like a text it's like hey 30 minutes out And it's like okay the bird is in the sky and then it's like 15 minutes out and they're like eagles landed on the way over there he plane suv right to office all by himself no security walks right in sits down does hour 15 hour and a half comes out, takes a picture, says thank you to everybody, back in, back on plane, back home, probably had another 12-hour day after that. So it was, yeah. I was pumped for it more so than nervous. I was like, I knew that he doesn't talk to a lot of people. I, being a wrestling fan long time, have obviously followed this guy's kind of trajectory business-wise and everything else. So I felt pumped for the opportunity,
4: for sure. And that was a great interview. And you do the interviews with Aaron Rodgers, the that- that make news every week. And I'm just curious because I, when I watch your show, you you have multiple guests on and I don't ever see you with notes, looking at a note. I'm just curious what your prep is when you're doing an interview and do you have different kind of, you know, if you have, um, you know, Ian Rappaport on, you're going to go through like some, you know, NFL news, but then that's different than interviewing Vince McMahon, Rogers. Do you have different prep for interviews? Like what is, how does Pat McAfee get ready for an interview?
5: So I just live on my phone pretty much. You can ask my wife. I mean, it is just, I need to know and try to know pretty much everything that's going on, you know? And that's a hard thing to do. But like, I need to know like everything that's going on with everybody pretty much especially if they're going to be coming on the show. So that's why I like Twitter so much. I have a good group that I follow and I'm able to kind of keep up with every story happening almost everywhere. Cause I want to know what pisses everybody off too. I would like to not do that. So like, I want to know what is pissing people off. I want to know what people are interested. I want to know what rules are changing, how like the diehard purists are like, I'm just trying to gain as much information as possible all the time. Like that is, I love news I love learning. I love digesting information and content. I'm just doing it all all day, every day. And then I feel like I'm a natural conversationalist. I'm genuinely curious. Yes. But I don't have like a I don't have a set direction in which every conversation is going to go. It's like when we get in there, I feel like my life prepping for that moment is there. And then if they bring something up that spurs a thought, boom, let's take this one a little bit. But I'll miss some things that need to be talked about with people. And then the boys will kind of pick up the like hey this thing just happened last week do you have a thought on that because my conversation that i had with the person had no didn't have it just didn't come up in the particular convo so i'm always just trying to have a conversation with people and wherever it goes it goes and if we miss something hopefully the boys will be able to pick it up which they do an incredible job of
4: who haven't you had on yet that you'd like to have on for some for an interview
5: Oh, roger goodell i'd like to have roger goodell on I'd, like to, I'd what, like to sit down with Besides
4: Roger. the new punting rule, what would you want to ask Roger?
5: Well, it's kickoff rule, but there kickoff is rule, yeah. there, there's a lot, Jimmy. I mean, Yeah. you're talking about great business people, you know?
4: His, he knows how to make money, that's for sure.
5: Dude, his legacy is one that brought the NFL to be the most dominant league in the history of any league, especially in a time where it seems like interest and attention spans are lowering. Their watch long time in viewers and hours logged in interest year round is just more than it's ever been. So I have questions obviously about some of the decisions that he has made that I feel were terrible, but I also (laughs) have a lot of questions about like, How did we get to all these spots? What's next? Was there any drawback from any owners on any of the decisions that you've made that have ended up working out? And did you dunk on their face in the one per 32, like uh, one per club meetings? Like all that type of stuff. I'm very intrigued by because he's been the guy who's been guiding the ship through the most treacherous times, but also most profitable times. So that's certainly a human I would enjoy kind of having a conversation with. And I think it'll happen someday. Someday.
4: Yeah, I I mean, he just... He showed up for the uh, Jason and Travis Kelsey live show. So you should certainly do your show. Um, Made a had, script joke. Made a script joke. I couldn't believe that. I could not awesome. believe that when I saw it. It awesome. was great too. It was yeah. Awesome. It was very good. It was very good. Have you had Tom Brady on?
5: Mm-mm.
4: Yeah. He did that Jim Gray show, right? Remember? Well, that he does. That's his own show. He does every week.
5: Yeah, we didn't hear anything from it. We were very bummed by that, actually. Very, very bummed. I thought that was going to be like uh, every Monday, we were going to get a bunch of Tom stuff. And then Aaron's, like two of Mount Rushmore quarterbacks are talking all through a season. Like, that's great for us as sports fans. Like, uh, that's why, like, I enjoy Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. I have so much fun going in there because we're learning about, like, one of the most interesting humans of all time, Aaron Rodgers. Also, one of the most talented players in the history of a sport that is the most dominant sport of all time. So it's like every week we learn something, it's like, okay, so this is how one of the best ever can look and act and do like, I enjoy that part of our conversations because he's definitely somebody that breaks the mold the the Monday thing, we didn't really hear much out of it. And I was, I was so bummed about it, but Tom Brady would certainly be on a list of people like, We would love to have on here and chat about because what he has accomplished and his commitment to the game and the league, so honorable, so admirable. And I'm sure we'd be able to get some conversation nuggets out of there, I would hope.
4: I've seen some people criticize some of the Aaron Rodgers interviews because they want you to maybe press him a little more. What's your response to that?
5: Yeah. So, like, when you're talking to a guy who had a 500-page report done, okay, on his decision, which is what Aaron did, he had a 500-page report about why he made the decision he had, and he started laying it out about it. And I, th- I believe you're talking about the vaccination thing.
4: It's no, like no, no, no. I'm, I'm I'm talking about. I wasn't talking about one specific thing. I'm talking about. But that's you, you know, know it whether started,
5: it, that's when it was the loudest. That was certainly when it was the absolute loudest. Well, I that mean, makes
4: sense because I was being so called bi- a
5: murderer. <laughs> I was being called a murderer by people. I was being in like a foreign language on a foreign tabloid. Like I was. Out of shape Sturgeon tank top, also allowing platform that could potentially kill thousands of people. I'm like whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm just trying to introduce people to how the MVP of the NFL is thinking, and I think yeah, journalism- I wasn't even
4: referencing that. I, it's just I even 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 in the uh, beginning of this year when he was deciding what to do and the darkness and going to the Jets. Like even you know it. it I always see things about, like, you know, he just has this open forum to say what he wants yeah. and there's no pushback, no matter what the topic is. Does that bother you at all?
5: No, yeah, because I think a lot of people that have gotten into, like, sports media, mm. they think they're more impressive or important than the people that are on the field doing it. And I live by, like, a, hey, we're learning about the greatest right now. Like, we're learning about the greats. So, like, that is also a form of media, you know? Like... I didn't go to Syracuse. I wasn't allowed in the broadcast boot camp. Like three times I got turned down by the
4: NFL's broadcast boot camp. But why like, did they not, turn you? Did they give you a reason why they would like how could how she, how can they be allowed to turn you down?
5: There's only a certain amount of spots. You know what I mean? There's only, only a certain amount of spots. Maybe try next year, you know. That sounds
4: like bullshit to me.
5: You don't say. Yeah. I'm I'm very honored that I am the only person though in the history, I think, of the NFL that has basically got on TV in significant times, that has not gone through the broadcast boot camp, which is every president of every network getting to see you do absolutely everything. Quite an advantage. Great setup. Love that the broadcast boot camp happens. I was not able to get in there. But there's also a form of journalism about like learning about people in their thoughts. Not every single person that is in the media needs to know the answers, the things that aren't in their world. So, like, I know you're talking about him talking about going into the darkness, but you're certainly also chatting about the vaccination stuff and everything like that. It's like, who the fuck am I to tell Aaron Rodgers uh, that what he believes with the 500 page report? And then also with his football ability, I'm, I'm supposed to tell him that he's wrong. There are a lot of things that he has said that I like don't make sense to me and certainly are like, oh, I don't know why you do that. But this is Aaron Rodgers that I'm interviewing and it's his conversation. It's not mine. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I view everything. And hopefully the more we learn about these people, the more we can learn about sports as a whole.
4: Yeah. Um, I've kept you an hour. I think when we set this up, I told you 40 minutes. So I appreciate the extra time. Yeah, we didn't even get in, Yeah, I, so I want to let you go because we didn't we didn't even get into college game day, which I had questions about. I, I had a bunch of other stuff. So as long as you tell me you'll come on again, maybe in a few months, I'll let you go now.
5: I don't do any pods, can, but I am gonna go. I'm not your puppy. You're not gonna let me go. But can the, we uh, can,
4: can we make that deal? Can we make that deal? Because I, I really did want to get to some game college game day stuff, and because you fit in so great on that this year, and.
5: So it, not everybody felt that way, but the... Um, oh, I didn't uh, see that. See that? I didn't
4: see any negative reaction to that.
5: The old whites, Jimmy, old whites did not like me on there. Now, not all, not all older white people, right. but there's a section of older white people that I refer to as the old whites. Right. Boy, they hate new guy, loud, tank top, chain, you know, the whole, they hated everything about I'm it. The- but I think as the season went on, I won them over. And the reason why I want him over is because the crew that I was up there with was so incredibly kind to me. All the boys and everybody that's a part of that show was so, so nice to me. I loved every second of it. It was exhausting. It was very tiring because I don't really have a day off now because of it. But I absolutely love that
4: show and am very lucky to be a part of it. What I wanted to ask you about Game Day was everybody knows it's a legendary show. It's part of Americana. I mean, it's just one of those... You know, it's one of those things that you can't really explain with words. It's just like if it's Saturday morning, it's on, you feel good about it. You have Corso in the background, Herb Street knows what he's doing. Like it's just part of the college football life. But doing it, getting the chance to do it, were you ever even surprised by how big it is and how iconic it is?
5: So in 2019 before COVID I got to do a few of them because Adam Vinatieri was supposed to do it in South Dakota state. He was not available. They sent me over there. I got a couple of promos, had a good time. They invited me back to the next few. And then COVID happens and I was kind of going in from my studio, kind of dropping in, dropping out. And uh one of the times, I forget what it was, I was live from my studio, they were on location. I did something and I got a message from somebody that was working in President Obama's office. So he has an office in Chicago. And the message was President Obama wanted me to let you know that he enjoyed what you just did on college game day or something like that. And no I was like, way. I was like, oh shit. Like, okay, so President Obama's not watching our YouTube show.
4: You know what I mean? Like
5: <laughs> that is uh so like it was in 2020, I think, when I realized, like, hey, this is a completely different animal and it is an institution, to your point, and the people that have worked there have been there basically since it started. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of lot of history in that room. Whenever I go in there, and they were all incredibly kind to me, and uh, I'm very, very grateful for that. And lucky. I had to be no idea
4: from. about that Obama story. That's unbelievable.
5: Yeah, it was. I literally read it. and was like, this is a joke. I, was, I said, this isn't real. And then I had to get it checked by somebody else. Yeah, that, it was. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, President Obama has no idea I exist on
4: YouTube. So yeah.
5: game day is a little bit different. I think game day is a little bit different. He might on know you fly-
4: exist. He seems kind of like up on the top. You know, I bet he's like a bit like he probably knows about technology and what's going on out there.
5: Yeah, I'm be betting sh- he had I, would no be I would be Jamie, shocked. Jimmy, I'm thinking he had no idea who I was. Yeah, I'm thinking no clue. Uh, yeah. Oh, I,
4: I bet you he, he's a big sports fan. He. he I bet he knew.
5: Yeah, there's a lot of big time sports fans that have ESPN on all time. You know what I mean? Like, which is why we're pumped to take the program even to ESPN. I think we're going to get introduced to a lot of new humans and uh, hopefully they'll hang out with us every
4: afternoon, you know? I'm just thinking about it because I really don't remember seeing any negativity towards you with game day. But then was it there was something where you did it was one of the I don't know if it was the national title game or one of the bowl games you're on the doing it from the sidelines something happened there i remember people being pissed about
5: what nah, was I that re- i don't remember you anybody remember? being mad i don't remember anybody for being mad i actually don't remember anybody mad about the
4: simulcast espn2 i don't remember any of that was this you must have said something that the old whites didn't like well that happens
5: okay. every day that's gonna happen when we go to espn like i know it's coming it's gonna be oh wild. yeah
4: oh yeah it's coming it's coming. I'm a big, you know. You mentioned Sirius. I'm a, I'm a big Mad Dog fan because I grew up in New York and I listened to him for 30 years. And he started this gig on first take a year and a half ago. And I knew I when I said when the national audience gets wind of him, people are not. And I see on Twitter people like get him off. He's the worst. And like he, now he's an acquired taste, which I guess maybe you'd be an acquired taste too, but
5: definitely not, not a kind of definitely. And
4: he has said a million times Russo has, and Russo has been in the business like 40 years. And he said a million times, he never ever understood the power of ESPN until he started doing that show. And he saw what it, you know, what the reaction has been. Every TV
5: in America, it's on like, obviously there's people watching other stuff, but if you walk in public and peek your head into a restaurant or into a bar or a store or anything. It's like ESPN, 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 ESPN. It's crazy. And they're going to see a dude in a tank top on there. So that's good. We're lucky, thankful, and I'm appreciative of you inviting me on here, pal.
4: My pleasure. I can't thank you enough for doing this, especially giving me all this time. I know you're super busy. And uh, I, I think uh, I think the ESPN thing will work out just fine. I wouldn't worry about it and everyone else should calm down. And thank you. very. Any time off between now and the football season? Any time off for Pat McAfee? Yeah,
5: I think we're going to take a break. We got to do some stuff to the studio, you know, that was going to happen regardless. But now that we're making the move to ESP, like we have all 4K cameras in here, all of them. Every one of them is 4K whenever we built this. Don't need 4K for linear yet. So we actually have to change.
4: We actually have (laughs) to change (laughs) some stuff on the back you have to end. downgrade you have to yeah. downgrade
5: it's an interesting it's an interesting yeah. thing that we, we could yeah. have never expected but a lot of the upgrades and things that we had to add that we were planning on adding to the off season there's been a couple additions now with the espn thing so we'll take some time off to kind of do that and then we'll gear up for a football season we can't wait
4: yep same here i appreciate you doing this good luck enjoy some time off enjoy your baby girl and uh can't thank you enough for giving me all the time appreciate it yes. all right my thanks to Pat McAfee. Tremendous, tremendous interview. He was fantastic. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did and you're not a subscriber to SI Media with Jimmy Traina, hit the subscribe button. If you enjoyed the interview, leave a review on Apple as well. Subscribe, rate, and review. Very important. And if you've missed any recent episodes of the pod, go check them out in the archives. Stone Cold Steve Austin and Richard Deitch were on last week. NFL VP of Broadcast Planning Mike North, who put together the 2023 schedule. Uh, along with Dan Rappaport of Barstool's Foreplay. We're on the pod two weeks ago. Mike Breen, three weeks ago. Ian Rappaport, Rich Eisen on the pod in recent weeks as well. So check those out. If you missed any of them, subscribe to SI Media with Jimmy Trena and rate and review. All right. Appreciate you guys listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you next week right here on SI Media with Jimmy Traina. Stay safe and take care.